am excited. What's up, fam? What up? How you guys doing today? Yes. Hey, it's a wonderful, wonderful Sunday, and I am excited to share the word today. But before I do, I just want to say, Pastor Stan, thank you so much uh, for opening the pulpit to me. Uh, I, I, I say it all the time. I really, like, I think of my past, think of who I was, the mistakes I made, and uh, that God would still have use of me. That uh, means the world, and that pastor would see that in me, and to open his pulpit means the absolute world to me. Uh, it's it's uh, very humbling. And such an honor to be able to talk about Jesus with you this morning. Uh, so I, I hope to do just that. I hope to challenge you. And uh, I don't want to offend you. But the truth confronts and the truth tells what it says. And I, I take the Bible for what it says. And so that's who I am. That's who pastor is. And that's what the direction of this church is going to look like. We are going to preach the truth of this word. And I'm excited to do it today. Because um, what I want to talk about today, I, I, you ever heard this phrase, the end is near. Yeah. Right? You hear this phrase and it's like doom and gloom. It's just like bad news bears. Like the end is near, right? You see the guy like on the, the New York street corner holding the sign, repent, the end is near. You know? It just sounds really bad. It sounds really scary, a little terrifying. I, I want to discuss today how you and I are to prepare for the end is near. How, how do you and I as a follower of Jesus prepare for the end of the age, for Armageddon, the movie, like, how do we prepare that asteroid is going to hit planet? How do we prepare for this, right? I'm, I'm being funny here, obviously. But how do we prepare for the end of the age? How are we to do that? Because Jesus gave us some warning signs, if you will, on how to prepare for the end of the age. I'm reminded of this dumb movie. And I couldn't get away from it in my study. I kept on going back to it. I need to watch it because it's a funny, clean, great movie. Ice Age. Yeah. Yeah, who, how many of you guys have seen Ice Age before? If you have not seen Ice Age, you need to get on Amazon video this week and you need to watch Ice Age or I don't know if it's on Netflix or whatever, but watch Ice Age. Good, clean, funny humor. Uh, it was before movies and everything. Well, not really before. The, movies have always been political. But anyway, this is a clean, fun movie. It's just great. Sid the Sloth is like single-handedly one of the best cartoon characters ever to hit planet Earth. Amen. Like... Olaf who? No, Sid the Sloth, man. And the actor that got to play his voice, fantastic. Like, what a perfect match made in heaven. Sid the Sloth, the character of characters. Anyways, I I'm reminded of this movie, the Ice Age is coming, the end of the world as the dinosaurs and everyone as they know it, right? And they run into these dodo birds. Right? And we know these dodo birds are now extinct. Um, and, and it points to that in the movie, like of how they went extinct, and, you know, in like Sid the Sloth version. And uh, these dodo birds are there, they're on top of this, the plateau, you know, and they are preparing for the ice age, right? And they have three melons, right? How many of you guys know what I'm talking about? You guys remember this part of the movie? Yes, right? And so they point out, like, hey, we need a melon, the baby that we have, you know, that we're watching and returning to his parents is hungry. We need to give it some food. And, and they're like, no, if you didn't prepare for the ice age, then doom on you. And they all lean forward and doom on you, right? And, and uh, the elephant, uh, what's his name? Anybody remember? Manny. Manny. He's like, so you have three melons, right? And they're like, if you failed to prepare, right? And they go into this whole thing. And now we know dodo birds are extinct because they tried to do it with three melons and, and you know, survive the ice age and all these things. It's, it's funny. And we laugh at it. And then Sid the sloth, you know, he runs through and he grabs the last melon available and he does the Heisman thing over all these dodo birds, right? He gets to the end and then he just smashes the melon so the baby doesn't even get the food anyways. Great movie. You need to watch it if you haven't. There's a good Sunday night entertainment for you uh, right there. But what I'm getting at here is I, I think that, no, I think, I know that we Christians 
And we preachers have done a bad job preparing and talking about the end of the age. We just have. We, we need to wear it. We need to accept it. We've done a bad job at this. Uh, it's just the reality of what it is because as I read scripture, as I look at the end of the age, as I look at what is coming, I'm reminded of the words of Jesus in Luke chapter 21 and Matthew chapter 24. It's our verses for today. And a, lo a lot of the doom on you, doom on you is actually targeted to Christians. Sorry to break the bad news bears to you. A lot of the doom and gloom that we say is coming is actually coming to us. Jesus warns us. I like what pastor said a few weeks ago. You don't get warning signs of like good things ahead. Like, hey, warning, no speed limit ahead. You don't get that. Warning signs are for warning. To let you know, hey, something crazy is ahead of you. You need to be aware of it to prepare. The end of the age is coming. You need to prepare. You need to be ready for it. And a lot of what we read in scripture is actually targeted at us. If you don't believe me, just read Luke chapter 21, read Matthew 24, read the book of Revelation and walk away confused like the rest of us, <laughs> right? A lot of it is targeted at us. What am I talking about? I'm talking about persecution. I'm talking about the hatred that you and I will, will face and that will come towards us. I'm talking about the betrayals that we'll, we'll have in our lives. Betrayals, literally, the Bible says, uh, your father, your mother, your sister, your brother, your uncle, your auntie, your second cousin, Christ removed by marriage. Like, if they're related to you, just expect betrayal is basically what Jesus says. He said, it's going to happen. These are not fantastic things that, that you can look forward to. It's nothing to prepare a picnic over. Jesus says, hard times are ahead. Prepare. Get ready for it. And I just want to let you know today that we need to stop running around and saying, oh, the end of the age is coming. Because it's coming for me and you. The world is coming for you. The devil is coming for you. And I'm so glad we had some good worship today because we just made him so mad. Like, oh, nothing makes me happier than making the devil mad. I'm, I'm pumped about this. I love it, right? However, he's coming for you. And Jesus gives us these warning signs to prepare. And there's two specific warning signs that he gives in Luke chapter 21 that I want to look at. I call them the do not warnings. All right, there's two specific ones. Uh, and they're right away in, in Luke 21. The, I'm going to come right out of the gate. Here they are. Here's my sermon. You, if you just get these right here, you're good for the rest of the day, especially if you're a super Christian. Number one, do not be misled. And number two, do not be afraid. That's right. Do not be misled. And do not be afraid. These are extremely difficult to follow, let me just say. Those are, like, I love how Jesus is just like, hey guys, uh, don't be deceived and don't be afraid. Cool, have a good day. <laughs> right, like, it's just like, these are extremely hard and difficult to follow because I think at any point in my life, I've been misled and any point in my life, I've been afraid. Yep. It's, it's just a constant thing in my life. I'm sure it is in your life too. Right, But let, let's get into the scripture today. Let's, let's read this, Luke chapter 21. We're going to start in verse 5, and we'll just see when we stop. I'm going to read off the screen because my notes are a little different here. It says this, Some were talking about the temple, that it was adorned with beautiful stones and votive gifts. Soon we'll be doing that in just a few short months, admiring the church building going up, right? And he, Jesus, said, As for these things which you are looking at, the days will come in which there will not be one stone left upon another which will not be torn down. They questioned him saying, teacher, when will these things happen? And what will be the sign of these things when they are about to take place? And he said, see to it that you are not misled. 
For many will come in my name saying, I am he and the end is near. Do not go with them. When you hear of wars and disturbances, do not be afraid for these things must take place first, but the end does not follow immediately. But before all these things, they will lay their hands on you and persecute you, delivering you to the synagogues and prisons, bringing you before kings and governors for my name's sake. It will lead to an opportunity for your testimony. But you will be betrayed even by parents and brothers and relatives and friends, and they will put some of you to death. And you will be hated by all because of my name. Yet, not a hair on your head will perish. By your endurance, you will gain your lives. This does not sound exciting. At all. Like, nothing about this goes, wow, I am so glad I woke up to follow Jesus today. Right? If it's your first time in church, just hear me out. It's okay. All right? I'm so excited you're here. It is not doom and gloom. It sounds like it, but it really is not the doom and gloom that you think. And before we go any further, I want to calm the anxiety that just rose to a screaming level of 10 in the room. We hear this message of doom and gloom. You will be betrayed by parents, friends, relatives, whatever. They're going to put some of you to death. But hold on, we are not finished with that sentence now. You will be hated by all because of my name, yet not a hair on your head will perish. I've officially titled today's sermon, No Bad Hair Days. <laughs> Look, you might die, but you're going to have a head full of hair. Right? Ain't nothing worse than a bad hair day, right? I come from Los Angeles and San Diego. If you can keep that on the DL for me, I'd really appreciate it. But... I, I, I just in this room and online, keep it between us. It's a secret, okay? And, and it was like, no matter where you went in LA, I could find a good barber anywhere. I just, man, I, the dudes could just cut hair anywhere. It didn't matter where you were. They could cut hair. I came to uh, Idaho. Man, trying to find a barber, that was difficult. Like, there's a couple of good places. I, I, I Trust me, I've tried them all. I, 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 uh, nothing is more important to me than a fresh fade, okay? I just, I love a fresh, it's gotta be the right place. It's gotta be the right, I went to sports clips, right? I was like, mm, no. If you work at sports clips, I love you, I'm so sorry, right? <clears throat> but I, I'm just picky. I guess you could say I'm overly picky about my fades and I wanna make sure my hair looks on point. I want no bad hair days, okay? I might die, but my hair's gonna be on fleek, okay? <laughs> but ain't nothing worse than a bad haircut, bad hair day, ain't nothing worse than that. You hate it. Right? So what's Jesus getting at here? Is Jesus saying, hey, look, you know, if you are bald, just believe God that he's going to grow hair? No, no. This, I'm sorry. If you are bald, not by choice, I'm sorry. This is not a promise of scripture to walk out of here, you know, all Rico Suave. It's just, I'm sorry. Right? It, not going to happen. Let go of it. It's okay, homie. It's okay. Right? What I'm, what I'm getting at here is God is saying this, hey, I'm with you, that I will know every detail about your life, that even though you are going to go through hard times, I'm going to care about every hair on your head. That's what he's saying. Hey, I love you so much. I will know every single iota about your life and every single thing going on to you that I will protect you. And sometimes my protection does look like martyrdom. I'm with you, is what he's saying. And that if when we face these hard times, we face these persecutions, Jesus is saying, I am with you. You can put this on the screen. Don't be so focused on what is temporal when you have eternity as your destination. Yeah. Let, me, let, me, let me show you what I mean here. <clears throat> let's, let's imagine this rope represents your life, okay? So you get born. Here we go. We're born. Awesome. Life is good. We all came into the world crying and screaming. Some of us just carry that on too long. But... <clears throat> 
we're born and, and life is good, right? We start walking, right? We start eating like really good solid food, right? We're introduced to steak and it's like, wow, life is so good. We go through adolescent years. We start school, elementary school. So fantastic, right? We go through school, right? There's junior high. Junior high, fantastic, you know, seventh, eighth grade, those years. What great, Never mind. They're not because you're pimple faced and everyone makes fun of you. But... <laughs> I guess that's just me. Um, high school comes, and what a great four years at high school you get, right? And, and then you go on, and you start living your life. You go through college. You find your career path. Hopefully, because your hair's on fleek, you get married, and <laughs> life is good, right? Like, you just continue on, and, and life is great. However, I want to change this now. Everything I just talked about summed up right there. We get 75, 80 years if we're lucky here on planet Earth. Right? That, that's, I'm, just, I'm not trying to be Debbie Downer to you today. That's just kind of the life expectancy in the world right now. So we, we, we spend all these years focused right there. We're born. We die there. And we have all this. And it just goes. And it just keeps on going. And we think, okay, certainly it's going to stop sooner or later. No, it doesn't stop. It just keeps going. But, but you don't understand, I'm really focused because, you know, once I get like 60, 65, I get those retirement years, and then I get that. Yeah. <laughs> Man, that little dash right there, woo, it's going to be great. <laughs> You're living for that? Yeah. Come on. Come on. Yeah. We have all of this, yeah. of life that just goes on. And on and on. Let me get this rope out of here. And on and on and on and on and on and on. But this matters so much, Stevie. You don't understand. Church, I'm being honest with you this morning. This is me. I'm, I'm, I'm speaking to myself. That that one little trial that you're facing right now, that's going on in your life right now, it'll be over. And you won't even see the mark that it leaves on the tape here. And we spend so much time focusing and obsessing on one little mark on this thing that represents my life. When Jesus is saying, dude, you've got a life ahead of you of lifetimes and lifetimes and lifetimes and lifetimes and lifetimes and lifetimes. And you care about that? Jesus is saying, I got a future for you, something to hope for, something to prepare for. And it doesn't matter where this tape ends or how this mark ends in your life. What matters is where you're going to spend this. And we are so focused on this that we neglect Jesus because of this little life that we get here on earth. And Jesus says, no, I have so much more ahead of you that you don't even realize. Lifetimes and lifetimes ahead of you. Stop living for that moment and start realizing what's ahead of you. What Jesus is saying in the scripture of Look, don't be so focused on what's temporal that when you have eternity as your destination. What he's saying is they can take your natural life on earth, but they can't touch your soul. Yes. Lifetimes and lifetimes ahead of you that they cannot touch, that I hold securely in my hand, the Bible says. That's amazing to think about. So I, I want to look at these two warnings today. Do not be misled and, and do not be afraid. And I want to see how you and I can walk out of here better prepared for the doom and the gloom. Okay. So here we go. Number one, do not be misled. Let me show you how easy it is to be misled. We humans, we can be misled pretty quickly, pretty easily. You, you, you doubt me. Let me show you. I want you to go home this afternoon. I want you to turn on Fox News or CNN. In 10 seconds, you can guarantee you are misled. I'm not trying to knock CNN. I'm not trying to knock Fox News. 
I'm knocking both of them. I don't care what you watch. It's all a lie. It is all, you can say, it's all propaganda. Let's be real here. I've heard things on Fox News. I'm like, what? That's not even the truth. We spend hours deliberately studying everything that we portray on this news broadcast. No, you don't. You paid someone some money to say something so you could just say it. That's all you did. That's not reporting. That's not journalism. You just paid someone and they said it. And cool, there you go. You got a story that you've made up. Hey, I don't care what you watch. I am making fun of all of it. It takes 10 seconds to get a story out of context to get something said that you now have a new conspiracy theory about that you are posting all over Facebook letting people know that you have got to get the news out. What you're doing is just antagonizing this thing and making this thing roll faster than it ever should. I'll tell you right now, if it were not for the media, we would not be a country as divided as we are today. We just wouldn't. I'm sick and tired of drawing lines and saying, I stand here. Can I just stand for people and just say, man, we need a good human race going on right now so we can take care of people. That's what matters. And, and what I see is there's only one problem with being misled and having deception. There's only one problem with deception. Here it is. You ready? Ready for this revelation? Deception is deceiving. You think you are 100% right when you are 100% wrong. Let me show you how easy this is. If you're married, you're going to know right away. Hey, honey, everything okay? Yeah, everything's fine. Why? And you're like, the way you said it makes me think that everything is not fine. But you're telling me everything is fine. I'm confused. And in that moment right there, we are misled. Right? I mean, it's that easy. I mean, guys, we are, we are dumb as a box of rocks, dude. It's like... We just don't get it, right? And the wife's like, nothing's wrong. It's, again, the way you said nothing, I want to talk about this for just one second. The way you said nothing is wrong, does that mean nothing or does that mean everything? Because there's a difference, right? You just want some clarity. That's all it is, right? But, but you think you're 100% right when you're 100% wrong, and, that, and that's why the deception is so scary. This is why cults arise in church or in religions, and they go on for so long. Because people think they are 100% right when they are 100% wrong. That's why it's so important to look at this Bible and say, okay, what does Jesus say? I saw this video last night and I'm going to go there. I'm I'm angry. I'm going there. I saw this video last night of this preacher. He's, He's getting pretty popular and he's getting a following. He has a lot of influence on people. And he says, I wish God just made it really plain and clear in the Bible, really simple. You know, like A, B, C, and D. Here it is. And I was like, uh, well, he kind of did. But God, literally, the Bible says this is simple. Humans complicate it. Religion complicates it. But really what God set up is simple. And he goes, I, he goes, people ask me, what about gay marriage? And he goes, I don't know. And I was like, how do you not know? If you're going to get on a platform and preach this, you better know what it says. How, how can you get up and say, oh, I don't know what the Bible says about that. You know what that tells me? You care more about your following than you do actually helping people. I'm not into that. Paul said it this way. If my goal were to please people, I would not be a preacher. I'm going to make you mad. You're not going to like what I say. Why? Because your human nature is against this. There's going to be a conflict. And God forbid I ever choose someone's acceptance over the truth of God's word. I won't do it. Pastor won't do it. And you better not do it either. God made it simple. I went there. 
But people are following this guy and listening to his sermons at record numbers. And I'm like, the influence you have over people and you would say something so stupid? I'm sorry, that is stupid. God made it so plain, so easy. I will pull up 20 scriptures in the New Testament right now about God's idea of marriage. Has nothing to do with because I don't like them or I think that's just, it's gross. It has nothing to do with that. And I'd be a pretty bad Christian if I didn't stand by what Bible the Bible says. I'm not looking for your acceptance. Kick me off Facebook. I don't care. I'm going to preach the truth. And Jesus is warning them, saying, hey, guys, look, people are going to come and they're going to mislead people. People are going to follow these teachings. People are going to follow, hey, I'm the Messiah. I'm the Christ. I'm the one. Follow me. The end is near. Let's do this. And people are going to follow these people thinking they are 100% right when they are 100% wrong. We have got to be in a place where we know the truth. And in Matthew chapter 24, and I don't mean to get fired up this morning, or I kind of do, I guess, but Matthew 24, it's a parallel of, of Luke chapter 21. Same conversation, but it's told by Matthew. He was sitting there. Luke was not sitting there. Uh, Luke heard this story secondhand, but Matthew was a dude in the room. I want to see what Matthew said that Jesus said. And there's two verses in Matthew 24 that scare the daylights out of me. You ready for them? Here they are. Verse 12 says this, Because lawlessness is increased, the love of many will grow cold. Verse 24 says this, For false Christs and prophets will arise and will show great signs and wonders, so as to mislead, if possible, even the elect, the teachers, the pastors, the prophets, the evangelists, the apostles, the elect, the people who are teaching, will be led astray, is what this says. This is Matthew sitting in the room. And I would do you a great disservice today if I did not dive into what Jesus really said. Because at face value, face value. I see, I, let's look at verse 12. Specific. Face value. Lawlessness is increasing. You mean lawlessness is sin. So more sin in the end of the age and the love will grow cold. I read this probably a lot like you're reading it right now. We read this and say, okay. There's going to be a whole lot of sin, and the people of the world are going to lose their love for one another. It's going to be a dark, miserable place where everyone is just cutthroat, out to get you. It's a dog-eat-dog world, right? Whatever it may be. That's how I've always read this scripture. That means there's going to be, man, it's going to be a rough world to live in. That's not what Jesus says, though. Not even close to what Jesus says. Let me tell you what he says. In order to do so, you have to look at the Greek word that Jesus used for specific, specifically for the word love. I read this and I was shocked. There are four words in the Greek language to describe love. In America, we love a hamburger just like I love my wife. Okay? I use the same word as what I'm saying, sweetheart. I use the same word. The Greeks don't. The Greeks had a classification level of love. There was like a standard love, a care, a concern. There's like a brotherly affection, and then there's like a love that you would share, like a husband and a wife, the intimate relationship. And then there's this other side of love. It's, it's really the God type of love, and it's the word agape. It is a word that is ascribed and ascribed to God, meaning the only person who loves like this is God. Well, on planet Earth, the only people who can love like that are? So Jesus says the agape of many will grow cold. I paused in my tracks. I said, the love of Christians on planet earth will grow cold because lawlessness is increased. Let's put ourselves in the text. Let's look at the world as it is today. Not a hard thing to do, right? I want to look at this thing. 
So the God type of love that is the expression of love through Christians on planet earth is going to grow cold because sin is getting worse. Sin is increasing. <laughs> right off the bat, do we think that their sin is more detestable than ours? That, oh, you're sinning that way and I never did that, so you're worse than I am. And so my love grows cold? Because sin is increased? That, that's, that's one aspect of it, to think that someone else's sin is worse than yours. You've just got pain on the barn. That's all it is. It's, it's still sin. It's still a mess up. It's still disobedience to God, which is what sin is. It's just disobedience to God. It doesn't matter how great of a sin we think it is. Disobedience to God is sin. And so to look at someone else and say, ah, oh, your sin is uglier than mine. So I'm obviously better than you, right? And that's what Jesus is saying is going to happen. That's not happening today. <laughs> Who am I? <laughs> that's happening everywhere. We're going to forget what we've been forgiven of because we think their sin is uglier than ours. But not just that. I, like I said, I want to put myself in the text today. I want you to put yourself in the text today. This isn't an answer that I can answer for you. This is for you to, to chew on, to think about. Put yourself in the text. You're betrayed. You're beaten down. You're persecuted. You're hated. Your father, your mother, your brother, your sister, your auntie, your uncle, and anybody. They, they cast you off. They, they rebel against you. They betray you. Betray means they're doing something to stab you in the back, to hurt you. They aren't just walking away. They are hurting you. So, so we're getting betrayed. Okay, well, uh, I, I think I can put up with some of this. I think I can do that. Like, I'm just being real this morning. Like, I, I never wake up and go, wow, what a great day to be persecuted. <laughs> Nobody wakes up like this, right? I like to imagine that, okay, if I'm going to face some persecution, I'm not talking like, ew, you're a Christian, gross. Right? I'm talking about like real persecution. You are hated, you are despised, you're beaten up, you are all these things, okay? That's what I'm talking about today. It's like, okay, I, I would like to think that in that moment, that yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna stand firm for Jesus, putting myself in the text. Like, yes, like I'm resolute, I am with Jesus. But I pause there because there's more to it than that. It's not just me being persecuted. I think of my wife. I'll tell you right now, you come against my wife, I'll meet you in the parking lot. That's right. Hey, good luck. <laughs> I think of my daughter. You come to my daughter, I want a bat. Give me a bat. You come to my little boy, nine years old, Riker, heir to my throne. I no longer need a bat. I'll take care of myself. And I start thinking that way. I want you to start thinking that way. Because your son, because your daughter, because your wife, because your husband, whatever it may be, is now being persecuted, potentially put to death. I'm being honest with you this morning. Yeah, you start doing that to my family. I don't know if my love is going to warm up to you. I, I think there's going to be a disconnect. I think there's going to be a, no, 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 I want distance from you. And I hear these stories. I've been, I've been overseas a couple times, Africa and, and Europe and stuff. And I hear these stories of persecution, real persecution. Yeah. Yep. People getting shot with AK-47s because they believe in Jesus. And yet they're standing there in front of me and they're saying, yeah, I forgave them. And tears in their eyes saying, I pray for them every day. And I go, how? How? You look at my wife wrong. Bro, it's on. Like, <laughs> and you're sitting there saying, yeah, they, they killed your family? And you pray for them every day? You, you care about these people? That's what Jesus is saying. Lawlessness is going to arise. 
And your love for the world is gonna diminish because of our anger that is happening to our loved ones, our friends, to people in our church. It's, it's not what he wants. It's just what's gonna happen. It says the love of many will grow cold. I hate to break it to you, but a prophecy of Jesus will never return void unto him. Yeah. So when it says the love of many will grow cold, it means that many of us will lose our love for the lost because of what they are doing to fellow believers. Put yourself in the text and really think, how can I safeguard myself against that? How can I take this warning sign and say, okay, how can I prepare for the end is near? When they come against my family, when they come against me, when they come against my church, my friends, how can I prepare myself to still love that person rather than want to attack or want to have anger in my heart or, or an offense in my heart? How can I love them instead? That's what Jesus is asking of us. That is extremely difficult, fam. That is extremely, extremely difficult. I'd say it is impossible, yeah. It's only by his grace that we can do it. But as you put yourself in the text, you'll see just like that through persecution, my love for the lost would grow cold. And I could see it happening in the church. We have got to safeguard ourselves against this. That's verse 12 of of chapter 24. Let's look at verse 24 now. I'm still on do not be misled, okay? It says this, a false Christ and false prophets will arise and perform signs and wonders and even pastors and prophets and teachers will be led astray. This is a warning against deception. Telling you, do not be misled. I told you a couple weeks ago, I talked about the importance of who you follow, who you listen to. And yet again, I hear of another pastor with a large following saying something totally stupid and misleading people. You and I must study the word of God for what it is. Fam, I'm not perfect. Stevie Nicks, I am nowhere near perfect. This Bible, however, is. No contradictions, only truth, nothing but the truth. So help me, God. It's all right here. I'm not perfect. This is. I would never ask you to take everything that I say and just consider it as equal to this. Even on a Sunday morning, I'm not going to ask you to do that. On a Wednesday night, I'm not going to ask you that. In a one-on-one counseling sesh, I'm not going to ask you to do that. I'm going to ask you, hey, look, here's what I see in Scripture. But I'm going to ask you to take it home yourself and study. You need to study. You need to make sure you know what this says. So when someone is up on a platform saying something stupid, you can say, that's wrong. That's not correct. That's not what the Bible says. You and I, here it is, do not be misled. We need to be experts at biblical research. Biblical research is not for a pastor. Biblical research is not for a teacher. Biblical research is not for a prophet or an evangelist or an apostle. Biblical research is for you. You and I equally should read and research the Bible. Find out what God has done. What has he said? Where is he going? What has he said will happen? You need to know those things. And this is not to knock you if you're like, oh, I hardly ever read my Bible. It's not to knock you. It's to encourage you. If you're not reading this, you will easily be misled. You need to read this. Don't take what I'm saying today and just run with it and go, wow, absolute truth, all from the sermon today. No, I'm asking you to take it home. Don't take it as absolute truth. I'm asking you to research it. I'm asking you to take it home. I'm asking you to say, ah, what did he say? Get on Facebook or YouTube, watch it back for a second. What did he say in that part? And you really need to see what he said and I need to compare it to the Bible. I'm asking you to dissect my sermon, rip it apart and find the truth is what I'm asking you to do. Any preacher who's afraid to say that obviously didn't get his source from here. Being real, you and I should be experts at biblical research. 
I've got to move on for the sake of time because I want lunch. Number two, <laughs> I'm hungry. I don't eat on Sunday mornings. It's just, it's, I can't do it, right? Number two, do not be afraid. The words fear not, the words be not afraid, uh, the words be courageous, be strong are some of the most common uh, repeated words of scripture. Like you go through Hobby Lobby, I'm pretty sure they have like 10 aisles dedicated to just those, those sermons. Like just those scriptures, just over and over again, right? Like just be strong, be courageous, right? However, what I found is that they're the most commonly failed commands of the Bible. How often do we get in the moment of fear and worry? How often do we portray weakness instead of having strength and God's character inside of me? I'm just as guilty as the next guy. I'm not standing up here because I'm perfect. I'm standing up here because I'm broken. Yeah. We're all in this boat together and I'm tired of this being the most failed command of the Bible. So let's go back to picking on CNN and Fox News. It's kind of fun. Jesus tells us this in Luke chapter 21, verse nine, where this is from. When you hear of wars and disturbances, do not be afraid. For these things must take place first, but the end does not follow immediately. So here it is. This is what Jesus is saying right here. I find it no coincidence that Jesus refers hearing to fear. Because what does the Bible say? Faith comes by hearing the word of God. So if faith comes by hearing this, listening to other things is going to bring what? If it's not the word of God, it's going to bring something else. It's going to bring fear. If it's not from the source... That means it's from something else. It has somewhere else that it's coming from. It's coming from the pit of hell. That's where it's coming from. And when I hear those things, it is going to give me fear. The opposite of what I need to hear, the truth of God's word. Someone right now, I need someone's help. Who has an iPhone? Anybody who's got an iPhone that you know how to use? There we go. I need the temperature. You were here first service. So you're kind of cheating. I need the temperature in Tokyo, Japan right now. Oh, you were, you were upstairs. Okay, I thought you were down here. Okay, first service. Uh, here it is. So uh, t- temperature in Tokyo, Japan. Whatever it is, I just need you to shout it out when you have it. Here's what I've learned. Information is available. You have your phone. You have your smart TV. You can find it out. Anything you want right now. Temperature. 46 degrees. What's the high today in, in Tokyo? 60. A beautiful day in Tokyo. Wow. Is it raining? Did it say? No rain? I'll see you guys later. I'm going to Tokyo. I'm going to get some sushi. But I, I, I hear this and it's like, okay, it's 68 degrees today in Tokyo. They're going to have a fantastic, I guess they're on Monday already. They have a fantastic, they already got the, the, Monday, the mundane Mondays. It's already happening. But they're there, they're enjoying their Monday right now. It's 47 degrees, waking up to a fresh, brisk morning. Going to have a great day. That information is available. Do I need to know it? No, I'm in Kuna, K-Town, Idaho. <laughs> I don't need to know what the temperature is in Cuna. However, or temperature in in Tokyo, what what I've learned, the information is available and its availability creates desire. I want to know. There are 86 channels in America right now. And this is, this is just like a little research that I did. There's probably even more. 86 channels right now on TV programs dedicated to 24 seven news. Someone's watching it. Or it's just one guy with 86 TVs with all of them on at one time. I don't know. Someone's watching this stuff. If they are dedicating this much to news on your TV networks, obviously people are watching. People are listening. People are hearing about wars and disturbances. I'm surprised they haven't brought up the anthill that's fighting against this anthill just outside the lawn. Because they want to talk about anything that's going on between people that's bad. 
I'm sick of it. I don't, I say I'm sick of it. I never even watch the news. Like I haven't watched CNN or Fox News except for like election day, just so I know what's going on. That's literally the last time I watched the news. I, I can't even, actually there was one time during COVID, there was a police chase in LA that was on fire and I watched that. But <laughs> other than that, other than I have not watched the news. I don't do it. I'm telling you right now, life is great. I'm not hearing all these disturbances and things because when I hear these disturbances and these wars, what happens to me? I become afraid. And you say, oh, well, I'm not afraid. I just like, you know, I need to know. I just, I just want to be informed. No, you don't. You saying you need or want to be informed is literally telling me you're afraid. Why? I need to know what's going on. I want to know what's happening in the world right now. We were never meant with the, the mental capacity that we have to carry the weight of every problem in the world on our shoulders. You were never meant to have this much information available to you. Stop chasing it. I'll tell you right now, one of the most freeing things that I love doing, and I don't, like I said, I don't even watch the news, but when I go camping and my phone's got no service, oh, it's wonderful. I cannot wait. Spring, hello. I'm so excited. But I'm telling you, the best thing you can do is turn your phone, you don't need to turn your phone off. Just unfollow things on Facebook or Instagram that are like news networks and things like that. Stop watching the news. Just do it for a week. You're going to walk in here next Sunday and go, God is so good. Wow. Like, you just will. Like, and then you'll invite me over for lunch and we'll have a great time. But I'm just kidding, right? But what I've, what I've learned is like we, we have this information that's available to us. We always want to know what's going on. It creates a fear inside of us. The fear only feels subdued for a moment when I hear more. So I take in more information and the fear grows bigger. And later on, it's more fear than what I had before. And what I've learned is that need is the foundation for worry and fear because I just felt like I need to know what's going on. That's, right. Come on. that's why Jesus says in Matthew chapter 6, don't worry or be afraid about what you're going to eat. Don't worry or don't be afraid about what you're going to wear. He says, look at the lilies of the field. Are they not clothed beautifully on that mountainside? Look at the birds of the air. They don't struggle for food, and yet I feed them and take care of them. Stop worrying and having fear about what's going on in the world. The moment you feel like you need to know, you are going down a path of fear. And again, these aren't my words. These are Jesus' words. The more you hear, the more fear that will try to creep in. Shut off the dang TV and go for a hike. You'll love it. We don't need to be afraid of what's going on in the world. Fear creates this panic. It creates worry. And it's the opposite of how you and I are supposed to live as Christians, a life of faith, a life steadfast following Jesus. And, and, and I, I look at what Jesus says in this whole scripture. He says, hey, you're going to be handed over to rulers. You're going to be handed over to authorities. You're going to be put to death for my name's sake, but your hair will be on fleek. So I got you. Don't worry. Right? He says all these things. And then he wraps it up with a statement that I struggled with when it came to this sermon. He says this, it'll be an opportunity for your testimony. And I read this and I went, what about that is exciting, Jesus? Doesn't sound too exciting. When I'm being persecuted, when I'm being attacked, being threatened with my head cut off, that doesn't seem like a great opportunity to be like, hey guys, I want to tell you about my friend Jesus. Like, I, I'm just being really like you're in like the guillotine. You're like, hey, by the way, like that doesn't sound exciting to me. I'm just being real as I read the text. Well, Jesus, what are you getting at here? How is an opportunity for my testimony supposed to bring any good news in the midst of my trials? Well, it's not good news for you. It's good news for them. 
It's not about you in that moment. You're about to die. It's about the person who's there, who's about to witness a Christian standing for their faith. That's what it's for. It just says, hey, it's an opportunity for your testimony. Ladies and gentlemen, I give to you the freedom and the remedy from fear. Your testimony. You say, no, the Bible says perfect love casts out fear. Yes, what is an expression of perfect love? Him being there for you. The remedy for fear is your testimony. Remind yourself of what he's done for you. Remind yourself of who he is, how he brought you through. Remind yourself of his goodness and his mercy, his grace, when you definitely did not deserve it. Remind yourself of who he is. And as I tell others about his goodness, tell others about his mercy, tell others about his grace, all of a sudden, I feel lifted in my spirit and my heart because he's been there before, he'll do it again. He is with me. He is with you. A testimony, I'll say, I'll be as bold to say this, a testimony is your greatest, one of your greatest assets as a Christian. It is your greatest weapon against fear. Your testimony. Let, let, let me show you. Let me prove it to you that the testimony that you have is one of the most important things you have as a Christian. Revelation, most confusing book of the Bible, chapter 12, verse 11. And they overcame him because of the blood of the lamb. It overcame him as the devil because of the blood of the lamb and because of the word of their testimony. And they did not love their life even when faced with death. There it is. We overcome the devil, his tactics, his plans, his persecution, his trials, his hate. We overcome by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. Your testimony is put right on par with the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Why? Because your testimony is the expression of power of a resurrected king. He did it for me. He died, he rose again, and now he delivered me from that death. He brought me through it, he'll bring you through it. Parents, let me tell you right now, you need to tell your kids your testimony. Make dinner this week, sit down, and start talking about what God has done. They they go to school, They, they are on school campuses, they are with their friends, and let me tell you what they hear. When, when anytime God is brought up, this is one of the most common arguments that you hear about God. If God loves us so much, why do bad things happen then? Yeah. That's what they're hearing. Yeah. Well, you hear a question like that enough and eventually you're gonna start to believe it. Yeah. What do they hear at home though? Come on. Are they hearing what God has done? Yeah. I don't know, he's alive. He's well and he's with me. Your, your students need to hear. I, mean, I, I sit down with Tatum and Riker and as things come up, I go, oh, Tatum, I, I used to do that. Like it was really bad and I did this and here's the consequences that I faced because of it. Um, but yet still I see how God used that and God turned that situation around and now I'm able to use it for his glory. And Tatum and Riker are like, dad, there's no way you did that. And I'm like, yeah, like I don't, I don't glorify the sin, but I definitely let them know what I've done. I definitely talk to my kids about my past about the bad decisions that I made because I want them to learn from me. I don't want them doing the same things that I did. I don't want them making the same mistakes that I did. You say, Stevie, but my my kids really should not hear the things I've done. No, they need to hear not what you've done. They need to hear what Jesus has done. So be humble enough to open yourself up. Make dinner. Start talking about Jesus at the table. Man, I remember this one time. Guys, I I didn't know how we were going to pay the bills. And, And... 
God showed up and God did this and made a way. And all of a sudden, here we are 10 years later. What an amazing thing that God did for us, guys. I always say us. Don't just say me. Look what he did for me. Include them in the testimony because your testimony does include them. Tatum grew me up faster than anything else on the planet. She was born. I was like, I better get a suit and tie, man. Like, I better be an adult now, right? I still don't have a suit and tie, but it, it grew me up. God, God used my kids to grow me up. God's using your kids to grow you up. Some of y'all need it. I'm just kidding. But your, your kids need to hear this. They have to hear it. They have to know that God is doing something in their life, in your life. They need to know what God brought you through. Because when they hear a testimony, what does it do? Well, if we overcome by the blood of the lamb and the word of testimony, they overcome by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony. They need to start realizing, oh, my testimony is already at work. God's already doing something. A testimony doesn't stop and then I got saved. That's not when a testimony stops. If anything, the testimony continues in a greater measure after getting saved. Right, come on. Right, I've had far more interactions with Jesus confronting me than I ever did on April 1st, 2005. Before then, I would just do whatever I wanted. No confrontation at all. Now it's like I'm walking and I'm talking with Jesus in prayer or whatever it may be. And it's like, hey, you got to stop doing this, son. And I'm like, yo, my bad. Like my testimony is still happening. I got rebuked this week. I'm not going to tell you what it was. Don't ask. (laughs) Right. My testimony is still progressing. Why? Because sanctification, the process of becoming more like God, is still happening. It is for you too. Your testimony doesn't stop on a date you got saved. Your testimony continues through your life because why? We are preparing for this right here where God is working all things to good for those who love him and call according to his purpose because I got all this to enjoy with him. He's going to lead me through. And some of you right now, you think your testimony is not happening. I'm telling you, your testimony is happening right now. You say, yeah, I don't even know who Jesus is though. He knows you. He's been looking for you for some time. He's calling you home today. Sam, would you you come back? I got something great for you. Uh, You're focused on the small little thing. I've got, I've got lifetimes and lifetimes and lifetimes ahead of you that I have planned and prepared specifically for you. And that is how we overcome by the blood of the lamb, that he would reach down from heaven, die on a cross for my sins, lie in a grave for three days, and after then rise from the dead saying, there is nothing in heaven or on earth or under the earth that can stop my power. And that power is available to you today. He wants to love you. He wants to extend peace to you. He wants to extend forgiveness to you. And all he's asking is that you would just say, Jesus, you are Lord. And call upon him today with every head bowed, every eye closed. I'm asking you to prepare for eternity right now. Make the best decision you've ever made. You're in this room and you need the forgiveness that only Jesus offers. You need to come home today. If that's you, would you do me a favor? No one's looking around but me. Could you raise your hand for me real quick, please? Just so I know what to do. Raise your hand for me. Thank you. Anybody else? Thank you for that hand. Thank you. Thank you for that hand. We're gonna celebrate big today, but before we do, church, can we just repeat this after me? Say, Father in heaven, I call upon the name of Jesus for salvation, for mercy, and for grace. I ask you to forgive me my sins. 
And I declare right now that Jesus Christ is Lord. And by the power of your Holy Spirit, I'm gonna live my life for you. In Jesus' name, amen. Can we celebrate? God is good. Three people just said yes to Jesus. Come on. Nothing, nothing better. I'll tell you though, you got this. You have a testimony of peace now. You have a testimony of grace that has been extended to you that you did not deserve. Use your testimony to let others know about Jesus. How can you do that? Here's one simple way right here. Walk away today with one of these cards at the information booth. Invite someone to Easter. Someone hurting. Now, I'm not looking for people that go to other churches because our worship team is better than theirs. That's not what I'm saying. Invi- invite them. Someone who is hurting and broken. Someone who needs to know how to overcome by the blood of the lamb. So I'm asking you, reach out to someone, take a card and simply just give it to them. Start sharing your testimony with someone and start talking about Jesus around the table at night with your kids. I'm telling you guys, you will have no more bad hair days because Jesus is holding you securely with peace and love. I have spoken way too long. I love you guys. Have an amazing rest of your Sunday. We'll see you Wednesday night at seven o'clock.